Welcome to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, a ridiculously awesome podcast bursting with insightful commentaries and intriguing conversations on the topics and issues that are on the minds of marketers, advertisers, social media, and PR professionals today. Hey everybody, this is Bob Cargill from Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. We are about almost four months, four months or so into the pandemic and just want to say right at the top of the show i'm thinking of you wishing you well these are tough times difficult days and a lot of us most of us are hunkering down at home in our home offices working from home not seeing many people in person maybe no people at all except those who we are living with and so it's really difficult for for all of us in different ways and and know again that i'm really thinking of you and, and wishing you well during these difficult times I'm real thankful that what I do is mostly online in terms of what I do for work. And I think all of you know, I do social media, I do copywriting, marketing, and, and that includes this podcast and, and a lot of video. And thankfully, technology ha- has kept at least me and a lot of those I, I know well, and even some complete strangers together while we have to stay apart in, in person. And, and speaking of, of connecting with people online, of course, that's what I do with, with my podcast, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. And I record these episodes on Zoom. That's what I've been doing the last few months, put them up on YouTube and, and everywhere, pretty much all over social media. And, and today, I am very, very excited to, to have a, a guest, a very special guest. Her name is Kathy McConnell. She is a transformational marketer. And, and hey, Complete disclosure before we we went uh, before I hit record I I both of us were saying when did we first meet how did we first meet we haven't met in person and <laughs> and and we still haven't um but I feel like this is really it's the next best thing Kathy that's for sure um welcome Kathy McConnell to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show as I ask all of my guests right at the beginning tell us about yourself introduce yourself to to my audience. Well, thanks, Bob, so much for having me. And I am so thrilled to be part of your uh, marketing show today. And um, a little bit about me. So I work with women-owned businesses who are looking to transform their marketing. Either they don't have any marketing whatsoever, or they want to harness the power of marketing and do it on their own terms. A lot of women get frustrated with marketing. Um, There's so much to learn and, and digest and uncover. And I really help them understand all that and, and put it into terms that they can understand. So, so am I hearing correctly that, that all or, or most of your clients are, are women-owned businesses? Is that a fact? Well, most of them are. Um, occasionally, I'll get um, a male client who will ask for a little help uh, because they'll like to see what I've done with other clients. They're usually um, referrals from somebody else that I'll get or something from LinkedIn actually. So, so, so tell me, tell us what, what, what distinctions, I mean, I can, I can, I can speculate and, and I think having been in marketing forever, uh, 35 plus years, I, I do know some of the distinctions, nuances between a, a, a male versus female owned, owned business, but, but help the audience understand what particular challenges um, and advantages, perhaps, you know, upside and downside of being a, a, a women-owned business? I think a woman really feels like they are already behind the eight ball. 
um, when they're marketing for one, they feel like they may not have the connections that men have and that men have the upper hand. Um, I try to teach them that you really have this plethora of networking around you um, from either other um, other networking sites. I mean, there are things like Pepper Lane now that are popping up and those are great opportunities for women to get to know one another and share their business woes and um, their highs and lows, I guess. So Pepper Lane, I've heard of it. Tell, tell me a little more about Pepper Lane. So I just joined Pepper Lane and it's, it's really a networking group for um, mom-owned businesses, and there are women there who don't necessarily have children. They may be um, dog moms, so they are also included. And um, it's a group of women that started this so women could really network together and help one another and support them through their marketing problems or their sales issues or their business problems and help them to grow their business. And so it's a annual cost and um, each month there are these things called boosts and you get together now we get together online we used to get together in person and we help one another you get like your 60 second pitch and you get to refine it a little bit more and you also connect with other people in the room or on the zoom and you really start to make what i refer to almost as business partners i've met some great people that way that is excellent and and you're talking about the networking the benefits of networking in this case it's it's a women uh centric if you will um exclusively women um yep. getting together online or in person but but in general the benefits of networking um it, it it goes back many many years you know getting together in person helping each other community so so important uh that we help each other support each other and especially during these last few months uh it's so using technology, it, it's so helpful to, to hear from others and, and get feedback from others. Yeah, I mean, I never would have met you on LinkedIn, you know, if I hadn't networked with you. So um, all this online stuff has been so great to be a part of. So I feel really lucky. Totally. Um, so Kathy, uh, regarding the pandemic, the last four months now, it was early March, I think we all pretty much went into quarantine, if you will. And, and I know things are opening up gradually, but we're still, it's still far from, from normal, obviously. Um, how has that affected business? How has it affected you working with your clients? Any particular challenges surfacing over the last few months that you can tell us about? Yeah, I think a lot of clients went into a panic mode immediately. Those who have brick and mortars, um, and, and I decided to go more down the educational route. Originally, I was always meeting up with people and consulting one-on-one -on -one. and it, it really had to change my business and you know everybody uses that pivot word we all had to pivot our business and so I said you know to people pivot don't quit this is your opportunity to really shine um, I developed a marketing strategy template for people so then that they could learn how to pivot their business and be more prepared for something like the pandemic that came up. Um, and so now I educate people. I do just like you do these podcasts. I do Zooms now with people and find that it's, it's really nice. I mean, it's funny. I get goosebumps thinking about all the amazing people I've met just from Zooming. I almost feel like people are more comfortable talking over Zoom than having to drive somewhere, 
meet someone they've never met and this faceless person. Um, so it's been kind of nice. I, I really like it now. I love the point you're making, Kathy, re regarding technology is, is keeping us together while we have to stay apart in person. Interestingly, you know, I find it fascinating how some people don't like it and, and aren't used to it, are uncomfortable. I don't know how, what the percentage of, of people that, that is, but those of us like myself and, and, and you, and, and I know there are plenty of others, especially if we've been using Zoom online technologies to stay in touch in the past, we can really take advantage of, of this. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I was telling you earlier before I, I hit record, used to do all of my podcasts in person. So that would mean, you know, traveling and, and setting up and it would take half a day. Now right. I set up an hour or two at the most uh, via Zoom and I can meet with people that I would not be able or, or would have been a, a big deal to have traveled somewhere to meet them. Now it's a lot easier, seamless. And, and thanks again to Zoom and, 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 and people like you and me who know how to leverage it yeah, we can make more connections than ever. And, and people like you and I who, who consult, we can tell our clients, that's how you do it during this pandemic. Right. And maybe going forward, meaning take what you've learned during this difficult time, the best of what you've learned, and, and, and leverage that going forward. Yeah, I mean, I am so excited to say that I have a client in Germany. I mean, I never would have had a client in Germany if it weren't for Zoom and and just saying, and she had never used Zoom before. So I had to almost do a Zoom tutorial for her first before we even started. And then, then she was able to Zoom and now she's slowly becoming an expert in it and she loves it. She thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. So I feel really lucky. It, it is powerful and, and the possibilities are endless what we can do with Zoom and, and social media in general. I, I think any online technology thanks to the internet and, and social media. But I do feel bad for, you know, people who, again, aren't comfortable with it, don't know how to to use it, and are missing out. And I think a lot of that might be in our people's personal lives. I mean, think of, uh, you know, my mom's 89 years old. She's not comfortable on on the computer with the internet. Um, and, and that's a good percentage of our population, you know, people who are older, people who, who may not have access to technology. And then there are people who, who are, you know, either afraid of it or, or don't like it. Um, again, you and I, we, you, know, you know, we're like, yeah, this is really cool. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's an opportunity, again, for people like you and I, because we know how to do it, to teach others and to talk about, you know, I talked about on, on Facebook the other day, I had a little dialogue going with someone who, who wasn't trusting of social media. And I said, oh, come on, you know, social media is, to me, how you get to know people in this day and age. Yeah. And, and I don't know what you think about that, but I, I, I told, he, he was saying he doesn't trust social media. I was saying quite the contrary, meaning you can see pretty quickly who, who's on the up and up and who isn't. Yeah. And I think social media is whatever you make of it. I think whatever you put in, you're going to get out. Um, when, when you just want to just post, if you think that you're just going to post and kind of, they call it spray and pray kind of posting, you know, you're really not going to get much out of social media. And if that's the sort of thing that you're following, then, then yeah, you're not going to get much out of it. But when you engage and you really 
read the post. I mean, a lot of people don't, <laughs> don't really read the whole post, which I'm amazed at. Um, I love to see some people that make a comment that has nothing to do with the post because I clearly can see, wow, you know, they didn't even read the I post. Totally. It's really a disappointment. They, they, they didn't read every word. Um, they also are jumping in and out, so they're not getting the full perspective. And they are judging maybe based on one social media channel. So, yeah, they're only looking at Facebook. Well, you, you have no idea what goes on on Twitter. And, and, so, and then they'd say, well, yeah, well, I see the headlines and I don't want to know. But then you, it's like reviewing a book or a movie without having seen it, meaning you, know, you have to spend some time on these channels, immerse yourself in them, and, and just look and listen and watch and hear what people have to say and get the full perspective before you, you, you impulsively uh, judge it negatively. You know, realize that for any, as much negativity that you might see in the mainstream news regarding social media is as much, or I would absolutely like to say strongly, more positivity on, on social media. You just got to do your homework. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's why the search bar is there. That's, you know, I recommend to more people, if you're looking for a specific topic, then throw in a word in there and search for something, use it as if it was um, uh, like it's Google. I mean, use it as a search engine. It's really fun to see what you can find. You have no idea. I mean, the power of Facebook alone now has all these TV channels and you can watch those, you can find rooms of groups of people. I mean, there's so much more that you can find that might be something that you find interest in rather than the ugly things that people think social media has to offer. Correct. And, and, and that's, I'd like to put an exclamation mark on, on that point you just made, you know, the ugly things that they see might be the headlines might be related to, to politics. We, we won't necessarily go there, but you know, the, 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 you know, the, the squabbling, the, the um, hating um, that we occasionally see in the mainstream news pulled from social media. Sure. That's just, you know, the extreme. I'll give you a real good example of, of Facebook being a lifesaver. I'm, I'm president of my running club, the greater Framingham running club. And as soon as, the coronavirus crisis hit, you know, we had to, your word, pivot, um, pivot during the pandemic and go all online. We're using Zoom for our monthly meetings and we're doing what they, what we call and, and, and is commonly called virtual races, virtual running, meaning we can't get together in person and, and run races. So I miss the, you know, hearing the huffing and puffing of my fellow competitors and, <laughs> and trying to pass people and, and getting frustrated if they pass me in a race, but at least we can do these virtual runs. We do them alone, take a picture of, on a watch of, of the time, share it on Facebook, and we're staying in touch while, uh, together while we have to stay apart. We're posting them almost weekly on Facebook and we see each other, we're proud of each other, we're cheering each other on. Thanks to Facebook, we're, we're staying together during these difficult times. Yeah. And I mean, Facebook came out with that whole advertising campaign around groups and I loved it because it really, it, it, I just wish more people would, would realize that you can find people who have the same interests as you. And, and that's what they were trying to get across with that campaign. And, and it's true. You can start a group so easily and then 
you know, make it easier for everyone to stay connected and, and be within that same, same mindset. I think that that's, it's so great. I just, I love the groups on Facebook. So I'm, I'm right there, uh, right there with you, Kathy. I'm, I'm turning up my volume here just a little bit. I got a, a truck going by in, in, in <laughs> front here. I don't know if you could hear that, but it's I drowning. didn't hear it. Okay, that's good. That's good. But it was um, so loud. I had trouble hearing you for a second there. Um, let's go back in time, if you will, um, pre-pandemic. I'm, I'm curious about your, your career. I, I Again, we only met a year or two ago, uh, maybe only a year or so ago, <laughs> online. And I asked you to be my guest because we see each other on LinkedIn primarily. Um, plug for LinkedIn, the benefits of online networking, social networking. Uh, going back as far as you want, typically what have you specialized in and, and how has your marketing career evolved over the years? Yeah, well, I mean, I tell this story on my website um, about when I was about 10 years old that I really started to fall in love with marketing because I opened up a lemonade stand and I wasn't just, you know, that little kid who took the, the, um, the table and then mom's lemonade and a couple chairs and a coin holder or something and, and put it out there for a weekend. I used to set up when we had this thing called the Dogwood Festival in the town that I grew up in and busloads and carfuls of people would come by and I would just set up my little site and I would have five um, little kids working for me, my little employees, which consisted of my brother and then my close friends and their sisters. And we would sell anything from little maps to show them the great places that they could go. And each one was hand drawn and, you know, signed by the kids. And so we sold not just lemonade. We learned to upsell people along the way. We even sold shark teeth, I think at one point. Um, but it was the greatest two weeks of my life when they had these fairs. It was the only time I did it. We were on a hot corner and I used to make about $500 a weekend. So I was wow. 10 years old and loving, loving marketing back then. So um, when I got the opportunity to start selling um, more things, I got into radio. Uh, right after I got married, I wanted to find a job that would be really hard, something really hard to sell. And what's harder to sell than air? So I decided, all right, I'll, I'll sell radio. And from there, I really learned how to sell um, or how to market something and teach marketing to a client. And it was the greatest opportunity. I had a great teacher um, who focused more on the marketing side and, and we would educate the client more on the benefits of marketing rather than selling the 30 or 60 second radio spot. So that's really where I got my beginnings from. That, that's fascinating. And, and I love that story. And you connected the dots between marketing and sales. I, I think a lot of people don't, don't realize how closely aligned marketing and sales are. And, you know, the course of my career, it's been mostly direct marketing where pretty much everything I do, and it still is true with regard to social media, is measured. And so I could have the best creative idea and looks cool, sounds cool, people even you know, respond to it favorably, but if they don't click and back in the day, if they didn't, you know, send in the uh, coupon or pick up the phone, um, you know, it's not successful. So, you know, 
having the sales perspective on marketing is is so important. It sounds like you have that. Yeah, it was, I just, I love to sell things. I used to always say I could sell anything, but what I really realized is it was not so much the selling, it was more of the marketing and that it was all in the words you chose. It was in the presentation of the product. It was more in, in and I always feel like, and salespeople may hate, hate me for this, but I feel like marketing is more important than sales. Um, I think sales are great, but I think if you don't have marketing, you can't possibly sell a product. So, but I think having both um, in my blood definitely helps. Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to get no arguments from me with regard to, <laughs> I to marketing. So. I, you know, when I tell people that about social media and it, it's very, um, not, it's not easy to, to, to put up a, a great argument that, Hey, social media is essential, but I do believe it is to your marketing efforts and leads to sales because it's a way to keep yourself in front of your audience day in and day out, not just here, here and there, but, but consistently. And if people see you and hear from you and they get to know you and they like you and respect you, then when it comes time for them to, if they have an interest in the kind of products and services you have to offer, you're top of mind. So, so they're going to buy from you. Hey, I, I have a uh, question because I mentioned creative earlier and, and I'm curious, this goes back quite a few years where, you know, sometimes there's a little de debate or a formula with regard to the importance of creative and the importance of the offer and the importance of your audience. In other words, if you're a marketer or a salesperson, what do you think is most important, the creative, the, the offer, or the list? In, in other words, those who you are marketing to, your audience. Oh, my gosh. So this is so <laughs> hard because, one, you're a creative person, um, and I'm a marketer, so I would always say the offer um, first and foremost. But, you know, back in my Comcast days, this was always a big debate. Um, we would go back and forth over or what, you know, was it the creative that was driving it or was it the offer that's driving it or is it the people? And I think over time, what I've learned is it's really the target. It's the list of people. If you can't hit them where they can be related to, and, and now more than ever, we can relate to them in social media, it's, it's, it's nothing. You have nothing unless you have those people. So um, I would say it's really your target market is very critical. If, if I was in, and in, in we're, we're um, close to the same many, many years of experience. I actually, I think I have more years of experience, but that's couple. not bragging. I'm just saying I'm a lot older. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, maybe a couple, <laughs> maybe a, a, a 10 or 20. I don't know. But, but anyways, um, Back in the day, there was a formula, it was 40, 40, 20. You, you scored correctly on, on that answer according to what I learned and, and, and not only in textbooks, but in real life experience. And unfortunately, it was the creative was least important, yeah. even though we put so much time and effort into it. The audience is critical and the offer is, is critical. And, and almost what you said, the audience is most important. Um, there was some axiom, I remember, a, a bad, offer to a good list works better than a good offer to a bad list, something like that. So right. that list, who you are marketing to, that has to come first. Yeah. Um, 
and then the offer and then the creative, unfortunately. Um, at least that's how it was in textbooks years ago. I know. And I think of all the money that was spent or is spent on creative and the, and the time, it's just unbelievable. So you got to oh, do homework. You know, it, it was a double-edged sword, meaning my whole career and, and up to this day and going forward, so much emphasis placed on what I do as the writer and I'm working with a designer and, you know, everyone's nitpicking and, you know, crossing T's, dotting I's. And it's like, team, you know, it's not, it's important, but it's not always the, the deal maker or breaker. It's more important that we have a great list and audience and a great product and offer. Um, trust me, you know, it's going to, yeah, it's going to make a, uh, I'd like to think it makes a huge difference, <laughs> but based on experience, the creative is, is not the most important factor in the uh, marketing equation. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Um, so you know I'm very partial to social media, but but that's really you know a new thing, uh, relatively again in my long storied or, or checkered <laughs> career. <laughs> um, you know, in other words, I was direct mail for for years, only direct mail. Um, then it was email, and then I started my blog in 2004, and and it's been a lot of social media, but it's still direct mail copywriting. I still do plenty of that. Um, but how do you feel uh, where I'm going with this is, you know, I'm biased. I love social media. I believe it's very, very important um, in the marketing mix. What, what do you think about social media in general versus other channels? Yeah, I really, I think social media is so critical. I mean, you hit on it earlier where you said you have to stay top of mind. And in, in order to keep your brand out there, I think that that's so important to use social media. A lot of people think that social media doesn't work. Um, they'll say, well, it doesn't work for me. And I'm like, well, what are you asking it to do? You're not going to get a sale from posting one thing. And you've got to really, like we talked about before, you've got to engage a little bit too with your customers and maybe you're not in the right place or maybe you're not speaking to the right audience. But I, I love social media for keeping your brand relevant and, and relatable to your target audience. Are there any particular channels, Kathy, that you would recommend to your clients versus others? And, you know, I, I would include TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, you and Believe I met it or on not, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten on the TikTok bandwagon, although many people have told me to, my daughter is fearful that I will join um, <laughs> TikTok world. Um, not ready to dive into there yet. You know, I still feel like Facebook's got this incredible power and um, the targeting that you can do with Facebook is so brilliant. I mean, I'm part of probably 10 to 12 different groups where I can jump in and jump out. I do market research um, directly on Facebook. Uh, I think it's just a phenomenal tool to be able to use and, and it shouldn't be ignored. And, and I think most people do use it. They may not necessarily use it the right way or the way that I would recommend, I guess my way is the right way. And um, I think that Instagram is a close second for people. I don't know. I think it's a great branding tool. I don't know how much it is to sell a specific product or service. I, I think that it's a great way to stay in touch with your potential consumer and your customers. But now that Instagram has that shopping ability, you now can sell directly online. So I've seen some great advertising or not even advertising, but great posts from companies that are using that. So it's amazing how much social media has changed even from, you know, 
five years ago. No, absolutely. And, and this is what I do for my clients. Again, I do some uh, part, you know, direct mail copywriting, email copywriting, part social media, which means creating content for them, keeping um, the lights on, keeping them very active on these social media channels. And I, I do some teaching as well. Um, but the social media part, I do emphasize to clients, the more you do it, the better. Um, be where your audience is. So you mentioned TikTok. Yeah, it, it's important, I think, as a social media consultant to, to know how it works, but it's not necessarily what my clients are going to use. And, and, and so, you know, that's probably not where we're going to spend our time. <laughs> I, I spend most of my time on Facebook, on, on Twitter, on LinkedIn and, and Instagram. Um, but, you know, some on YouTube, I have personally experimented with Snapchat and, and personally with, with TikTok. But that's mainly because I feel I have to know those channels. Hey, maybe they'll take off or maybe I'll get a client that, that needs to be there because that's where their audience is. But, but bottom line, it's, it's where your audience is, is where you should spend time. Um, so you know, th that's my experience. Um, do you personally spend a lot of time on social media? And in, in, in when you do, wherever you go, who, who do you follow? Who, who, who do you think does a great job? Who, who inspires you? That kind of thing. Yeah, I really, um, I met this great woman on um, LinkedIn, believe it or not. Um, and I, I use LinkedIn pretty heavily and, and she had not really gotten into LinkedIn as well. And so we sort of traded back and forth. Um, she does a great job on Instagram. She's called Levity, Levity brand or Levity design. And she's like a graphic brand designer and she's phenomenal. And I love to follow her. Courtney, um, big shout out to her. Um, so she really, I, she's one person I admire how she's using um, social media as a small brand. I think that, that it's, that it's great. Um, some other brands that I love um, is really, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Cupshe, but you may not be targeting you actually because it's a woman's product. Um, but globally, I love what they do. Um, they really get their um, audience involved and get them to post their images and their pictures of their products. Um, it's all swimwear based, so it's kind of fun and people like to show off their where they where they are, maybe on a beach or by a pool somewhere. And um, one of the things that they do that I love is that they have um, in their bio is different tags for how you, so if you're in Denmark, it's like at D-E-N or, um, so they have different tags for different languages. So it's, it's really phenomenally done. I really like their, um, the way that they target people. That's a good example, Kathy, a great example of, of crowdsourcing so brands getting leveraging the content that their audience puts out there and making the audience the star and, yeah. and that's the the social and social media and and i do tell brands and and my own clients hey it's not all about you you want to to make it about your your audience those whose attention you you covet and and they love it when you like their content when you reshare their content hey you reach out to them and say, can we use your content in, in one of our ads even? It, it makes them the star. It flatters them. It, it shows the rest of your audience that you really care uh, about your, your customers and prospects. And it's a win-win. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have a client recently who they just happened to notice that they were, uh, that they showed up in a video promo for a magazine. And so I said, you should do a promo around it. You got to do something or, or do a post about it. You have to promote the fact and thank the magazine for including you in this promo of theirs. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And, and, you know, you'll probably get some shout outs from them in return. And, and it creates that dialogue of the conversation back and forth. Sure, you paid for an ad to be in there, but they didn't have to feature you in their video promo, and they did. So um, it came out really well, and, and he just posted yesterday and really happy with, with the turnout of, of how many people commented on it, too. So, Yeah, and this, you know, again, I've I been around the block a few times, um, and, and this is the, the, was the transformation, and they're a transformational marketer. So this is uh, aligns with, with your brand and how you um, handle your clients. Social media, the internet was transformative in that. Prior to that, back in my early days, I think you were selling radio spots and, and I, I was writing junk mail um, <laughs> um, back in the day. And again, I still write uh, tons of direct mail. Um, you know, whenever it comes my way, the opportunity arises. But where I'm going is it used to be one way, top down, interruptive marketing, meaning, you know, an ad on the radio or a direct mail piece in your mailbox or, or a billboard. And, and now, thanks to social media, we can have this conversation with our, our clients, marketers can. So it's interactive, it's two-way, it's not interruptive, meaning we get their permission to talk to them. It's implied that we have their permission when they like us or follow us. So then, hey, we're a brand or a business, we can say, hey, how you doing, Kathy? And Kathy, how can we help you? And, and Kathy says, oh, I'd like uh, um, you know, that, that shirt in uh, the color red, not yellow. And we can say, well, we're gonna look into that. And then a month later, hey, we suddenly have that shirt in the color red, thanks to our, our uh, maybe new customer, Kathy McConnell. Um, so that's conversational marketing. It's bringing the customer into the process. It's coming down from your ivory tower, which was um, said in the book, Cloutrain uh, Manifesto back in 1999, 2000. They said, hey, marketers, come down from your ivory towers and, and be among your customers. Listen to what they have to say, what they are asking you to do and respond favorably. And they're gonna like you and it's gonna be a win-win situation. Do you think that some companies are fearful of that, though, that, that it opens up Pandora's box in some way, that um, they're afraid of the comments that might pop up, that they may be negative um, towards their products? Because that does happen from time to time, and, and social media has also become this, um, what's the word for it? Uh, um, I can't think of it. Customer service. Yes, so yes. So it's become this customer service channel. But do you think that some brands or some some people we've talked about being afraid of social media? Do you think that they're afraid of afraid of social media for those reasons? Do you come across that ever? Yes, <laughs> yes, in, in, in word, <laughs> yes. No, you you hit the nail on the head. So it's a double-edged sword. It, you know, mixed mixed uh, feelings. Do do some people have about you know the benefit, the upside versus the downside? So um, yeah, the good doesn't necessarily come without some bad meaning let's say you're a restaurant and 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 you know i i have a 
long list of uh, restaurants on Twitter that, that I've curated. And, and, you know, it's a big deal for restaurants to get good reviews, to get great response. They want you to take pictures of, of your meal and your, your, the food, the, the plates, and, and share it on Instagram and say how much you love their food. But yeah, if you're a restaurant, you've got, you run the risk of that, that customer who might say, I didn't like the food. And, and yep. there are those critics out there, um, no matter how good a restaurant you might be. Or, so, so you absolutely, you know, that's probably one of the biggest reasons my clients, prospects, uh, businesses and brands in general, are afraid to get on social media. They're afraid of the negativity. Mm-hmm. But but what in the Clue Train Manifesto, that book uh, referenced about 20 years ago, they said, you know, but these people are having those conversations anyways um, behind your back. So you may as well join that conversation and, and ideally lead that conversation and turn, if there are critics out there, turn them into uh, customers, you know, by by paying attention to what they're saying and engaging with them a little. Um, taking it offline if, if they're really angry, um, but ideally turning critics into customers. That's a big, big benefit of social media. Yep. I think that's so true. And I, I think that that's what social media offers now for people is to really turn it into an opportunity as opposed to the negative. And, and not a lot of businesses see that, but that's one of the things that I teach people that this is a great way for you to open up the doors and, and sh- show them what's behind the curtain a little bit. And, and that's the beauty of it. It's, you know, I, I, it's psychology. It's, it's, uh, the, it's very, it very much touches on interpersonal communications. And I think that's why I love social media so much. I mean, I went to school um, back in the day, a long time ago, uh, majored in communications in English at UMass, Amherst, then a graduate degree in television from Brooklyn College. But I always, where I'm going with this is I always loved communications and I think it had to do with the, you know, getting to know people, the psychology behind it. And that's marketing. And I've, you know, been surprised, continue to be surprised uh, by people resisting this opportunity to get to know your, your audience better. But at the same time, I realized why and you, you, you brought it up, and I'm glad you did, why they don't, they're afraid, and, and because the truth can, can hurt. Um, yep. But unfortunately, you know, look at this world, and you know, we're, we're in, in turmoil right now in this country um, because of the pandemic. Um, you know, uh, racism has, has reared its ugly head. Um, uh, unfortunately, sadly, that's still a big part of what's going on in this country. Um, so, so there's the pandemic, there's, there's racism, there's the economy that, that's, you know, struggling. Um, you know, people are, are a little depressed and anxious. Um, where, where I'm going here is <laughs> social media, you know, it can hurt because yep. people can see the negativity, but it can help too. It can connect us. We can learn what people feel. And as marketers, we want to know what people really feel and ideally we want, we should want them to know how we feel about these yeah. important issues. So we should make some statements and we should express our feelings. That's going to endear them to us. It's going to be a win-win, you know, from a personal standpoint. And I think from a business standpoint. Yeah, I agree. And, and I really think that it's, it's key to listen to that audience at the same time. You know, we, we talked about, um, going through that search bar and, and identifying things that maybe you're interested in. Well, you can use that search bar to find 
comments about your business and, and, or about your industry and, and listen to what people are saying about it. And maybe there are opportunities for you there too. So um, I love that search bar in, in Instagram and in Facebook. I just think it's a great invention. Love well, the search bar. I agree, Kathy, and, and, and you um, emphasizing that is, is a great tip for, for anyone listening and watching, everyone listening and watching. Um, use, you know, search out on all the social media channels what you want to follow. Um, I told this person, he, he was questioning, you know, the, the, the efficacy or, um, you know, why, why is social media so great because he hears me. Um, uh, preaching about its benefits constantly. And, and I, I said, you're only seeing a part of it if you're just reading the headlines or so you don't like the, the politics or, um, you know, there is hate on social media, but search out who you want to talk to, who you want to surround yourself with. It's to me, it's, it's a dream come true for yeah. people. If you like people, if you want to learn, because you can curate that which, you you want to be surrounded with and and by and and what could be better than that if you if you if you love people and and love learning yeah and you you know you touched on something that you know we didn't even talk about yet and that's youtube and i mean i learn everything through youtube if i didn't have youtube i would be in trouble i mean it is my go to for everything i i'm completely self taught in seo and um, content writing and all kinds of things um, just because I can use YouTube. I mean, I use it for every recipe that I can find. And um, I just think that, you know, it's, it's great that people like you are on it. I've got a channel on there and it's, it's nice because you can really find whatever you want on YouTube as well. And, and learning is the key. It, I'm glad you brought up what you just said about YouTube and, and being self-taught my kids and, and, you know, the younger generation um, you know, I, I do some teaching and, and I have, uh, two stepchildren and, and, and two sons. So I, I have four young people, uh, um, that, that I, I love dearly and have watched grow up and how they learn. And frankly, I think they can learn as much or maybe more just watching YouTube versus, you know, um, formal education. I mean, that's, and, and so those of us like myself, um, who are older and aren't paying attention, um, I'm going to miss the boat. Um, and that's why I've tried to pay attention um, since uh, the, the um, um, you know, launch of the internet and social media, realizing that, hey, you know, this is not necessarily our future. This is now. This is the present. So we need to open up our eyes um, as, as a society. Yep, exactly. Hey, let me ask you um, about any highlights. So, so we've covered a lot of ground. I think we, we can still cover more ground um, in the next few minutes, but I want to make sure, is there anything I've overlooked with regard to your career, any clients, any projects you want to give uh, shout outs to or talk about any, anything in particular, highlights, lowlights? <laughs> yeah, so I have, um, I have this one client that I absolutely loved working with and she um, is a shoe designer. Um, we worked together last year. She imports shoes from Spain. It's a tiny little island in Spain, and um, it's called Avarcas. Um, and it's uh, or Menorca. Sorry, the shoes are called Avarcas. And um, so this tiny little island is well known for making these particular summer sandals. And it's funny because they 
get mimicked over here in this country, but hers are all leather or whatever. But I had so much fun because I had to take um, a course in copywriting in order to help do the copywriting for her campaign. And we came up with this whole campaign that the shoes had a personality because each of her shoe was named after one of her friends. So I would have her friend describe or have her describe the friend to me. And then I would create this scenario around um, the woman and her shoe and, and what that relationship was with the shoe. And it was a great campaign. We, we did it last summer and it was one of my favorite campaigns I've ever done. And um, just a shout out to, to her. Which, so if, if, people want to look her up uh do you have a website or, or so you can media? yep you can go to rgbavarkas.com and those are her shoes how do you spell the avarkas a-v-a-r-c-a-s fascinating yeah and, and i love you said she names each shoe after a friend after a close friend and and it's so cute because she would tell me a story about a particular friend and, and what that friend's personality was like. So I had to come up with this whole copy around the friend and the shoe. That is brilliant. That is, I love that. So that's storytelling yep. and it's so important in, in marketing and it comes from the heart. That's, that's genuine. And it makes her shoes stand out from the competition. Did, did you, have you worn her shoes? Can I ask? I, I have a, I love her shoes. My dog actually ate my one pair of shoes. So um, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. But she came out with a new um, line for this spring. So there are a couple pair that I really want. So I think I'll be buying a couple of those pair. Very cool. Um, maybe you could barter some of your marketing services <laughs> for a pair of shoes. I know. <laughs> I know. That hey, That's a great story, Kathy. And, and again, from a marketing standpoint, I'm always trying to hop on on the marketing angle naming the product after you know in her case shoes after her friends it, it personalizes the product and gives you an opportunity to tell stories about the the product and i i really like that i think it's a great example um any we've i i certainly have talked about the history of marketing at least going back to my early days in the 80s <laughs> writing direct mail and and I, I mentioned email, you know, the, the onset of uh, the internet back in the mid nineties and, and then in 2004, my blog, et cetera, et cetera. But, but look where we are now with, with TikTok and Snapchat and video and, you know, us doing this conversation by Zoom. Hey, I'm a marketer, but I spend a lot of my time now connecting with people such as yourself. And this is creating content. This is content marketing. If, if I, I want to sound a little selfish, I'll put this out there and it's a way of keeping me visible, way of, of keeping you visible, Kathy. Um, this is the current state of marketing. What do you think we're gonna see in the future? Uh, any, any predictions, any thoughts? I think um, more of this is gonna happen, um, far more video people will get more comfortable. I've been really pushing my clients towards the lives um, to be there. So when your audience feels like they can reach out and touch you, I think lives are, are such a great opportunity. They remind me of radio events when we used to do live remotes um, on site with radio and they would see the DJ and they'd get all excited because they could possibly get on the radio. Well, 
now when someone does a live either on Instagram or on Facebook, it's such a great feeling because you're like, oh, I'm part of the show. I'm part of what's going on. I'm part of what's happening. I can make a comment in real time and other people will see it. So I think that you'll see a lot more of that happening more and more. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on the live video. Video in general, it's certainly where, where I've been going and, and what I've done for some of my clients, you know, teach them how to do video on their own. It's, it's not hard using technology, using your smartphone. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, I'm glad you mentioned live because I've tinkered with it myself, um, done a little of it with clients and have thought, hey, I could do these, these podcasts live, um, have not yet. Um, but easily could. I have the, the Zoom uh, subscription, if you will, that, that enables that feature. And we could be doing this live on Facebook as well. Um, I agree. It's the next best thing to be in there. And it's how people get to know you. And as I already said during this conversation, they get to know you, they, they like you, they respect you. And you're top of mind when it comes time to to buying the the types of products and services that you have to offer. That's the the value of video and and leveraging social media is is people do business with people, and so why not you know jump on that social media bandwagon? Yep, and you become more real. I think you know that's the one thing that I always tell people that you want to show your real side. You don't want to just be this machine or this product, you know, be so much more than the product, be, be a real person and, and someone that they, the customer, the potential customer feels like they can reach out to you. I think that that makes a big difference for people today more than ever. They want it. They want to be part of your product if they really are on that bandwagon. Hey, Kelly, anything non-marketing, non-business related that, that you can share with us? What do, what do you do? You don't mind me asking personally when, when you're not working, any hobbies, interests, anything we don't know about you, uh, which is yeah, plenty I, that, that, that you want to share with us. <laughs> I just picked up golf at age 54, if you can believe it. Um, my parents were avid golfers my entire life. And I think that I always dreaded it. I never wanted to play because I felt like they spent their whole life on a golf course. But now um, my husband and I are um, trying to find things to do together and we go hiking, but we discovered golf together and um, he's been golfing for years, but I absolutely have fallen in love with it and even bought a set of clubs and now I go hit and play golf every week. And um, so that's been my newest hobby. Other than that, it's, I'm always with my dogs. My dogs are always with me, my, my two mutts. I, I think I might've heard them barking a little bit, just a tiny bit <laughs> earlier <may> on. <laughs> and I don't know if you, my dog was out in the front yard when the mailman came, came by. <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky the mailman isn't here right now. <laughs> and golf. So I used to golf. I grew up golfing with my dad. I never was a you know, very good golfer, but, but adequate. And we'd go quite a bit, you know, handful of times every year. And I even taught my, my two boys how to golf. Um, but again, only going, you know, three, four, five times a summer. I have not done it in probably 10 years, but I do love golf. It's so good for you picking it up. It's a great sport. It's so relaxing. You forget about everything, I, I think. And you're out in, you know, beautiful nature. And, and it's, it's relaxing and, and stressful at the same time. because It's a hard, <laughs> exactly. hard sport to be good at, I think. 
It is. It's a really hard sport, but um, my son also plays, so it's fun. I mean, the three of us can go out and and just play once a week and and spend some quality time together. I mean, I really, I always looked at it that it took my parents away from me, and now that I've played, now I understand how it could have brought us together. So, um, not looking back too too far, you know, I wish I had golfed with my parents way back when, but now well, I'm golfing with my son. That that's awesome. And, and yeah, like I say, I taught my kids and the fond memories and, and now they know how to golf if they're asked to golf with somebody or if they want to do it themselves. And yeah. maybe, maybe we'll all do it again someday. I just haven't in years now. Um, have you ever been, I'll tell you something, my wife and I have done a good amount of times, you know, five, six, seven, eight times, maybe more than that, is gone to a pro golf tournament. Have you ever seen a pro golf tournament in person? I have actually, I was really spoiled as a young kid that um, my parents would take me to pro golf tournaments. We lived in Connecticut, so we could go to what was the GHO, which is now the Travelers. Um, we even had a couple golf tournaments at our country club that I belonged to when I was a kid or my parents belonged to. So I was really spoiled. And then when I sold radio, I WEEI was one of our partners, so I could go out to a golf um, event. Um, I think there was something out in Concord one year. I don't remember. Yeah, what. the, the senior. So you've seen was more it the of the seniors. The, yeah, the seniors tour. Because I live in Sudbury, and we we went to that at least once, maybe a couple times. And I I wish they still. That's at Nashard. Was at Nashard a country club? That's like right. That. Yeah, yeah, that was a beautiful setting. Mm -hmm. Really loved that. So I've always loved watching golf. I mean, you know, there's nothing to watch on TV right now. So what? else to do better than on the weekend and watch some golf so i'm yeah, really I, golf so i'm preaching right i'm preaching in the choir when i say watching golf in person is <laughs> is amazing we've gone down to norton to see the um used to be called the deutsche bank classic i i forget the name of it now and i think they even did not have it last summer and i don't know if they have it this summer um it, yeah it, i don't know what they renamed it to yeah but we we to get up close i mean you know literally just a few feet away from like Tiger Woods or, or uh, <laughs> Phil, Phil Mickelson um, and see them drive and see them in person. I mean, it's, it's amazing to watch to me in person. Yeah. I feel like it's the closest you can really get to an athlete. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's unbelievable. It really is. Oh, it's you can get sport to watch. again, like three, four feet away <laughs> yeah. while they're, you know, the cameras are on them. They may be on you and behind them and they're putting, you know, or, or driving, to maybe win, you know, a million dollars and you're right there next to them. I mean, that yeah. is so cool. I know. I don't know how they do it with the microphones everywhere. It's yep. just, it's, it's crazy. Well, you mentioned my videos earlier on, maybe it was before I hit record, but I did a video about, I think his name is Bryson DeChambeau. And oh, DeChambeau. Yeah. Yeah. He's and he great. just won, he just won, uh, I think last weekend. He did. We watched, that was the rocket mortgage. Well, we tournament. saw him down at, um, in Norton a few years ago and he golfed well. I can't remember if he won or was right near the top. And I did a video about ignore the hecklers because for some reason there was someone in the crowd watching who was saying something to him right before he drove the ball. And, you know, he didn't even look, didn't even seem to notice and hit a perfect drive. And I was like, oh my God, you know, to see, yeah. The crowd, first of all, you know, shame on that heckler because you're not supposed to do that at a golf event. Um, <laughs> right. 
but good for Bryson DeChambeau, um, how he just ignored it. They are so focused and concentrated and they are unnerved by anybody in the crowd, um, you know, saying things. He actually got into a little tiff with a cameraman this past week. I did too. see that. It's yeah. funny that you bring him up because, um, you know, I feel bad for these guys. They're under so much pressure mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and, and then I think a camera guy's under pressure to get the right shot and to, to get the whole feeling and the emotions. But, um, you know, it's tough. It's got to be really tough. I, I have such a tough time having my husband watch me. I can't imagine these people yeah, yeah. having all, like thousands of people <laughs> watching them play. No, they, they, that's why they're superstars. And, and I was so impressed with him. And he actually, you brought up this weekend went with that cameraman. He had some good responses in the, wherever I read the article that, hey, you know, we're human too. And, you know, we, we're passionate and, and occasionally, yeah, it's frustrating. Listen, I, I said to you, you know, golf can be relaxing. It can be super stressful. <laughs> and that's not even being on camera, you know, right. um, competing in, on the pro tour. Hey, we could talk about golf uh, and for <laughs> whole nother hour <laughs> back to marketing or, or or at least back to wrapping it wrapping up this episode of of my marketing show with with kathy mcconnell kathy tell people if they want to reach out to you follow you on social media how can people who are watching and listening get in touch with you please sure great so i have my website which is kathy mcconnell marketing.com and that's two N's, two, two C's, two N's, two L's when you spell McConnell. Um, or you can find me on Instagram at the Kathy McConnell. And I'm on Facebook under Smarketing You. Smarketing is my little um, whimsical way of calling it smart marketing. And um, you can also find my YouTube channel at Smarketing You as well. So I'm pretty much all over the place that you can find me. Awesome. Kathy, Kathy McConnell, I thank you so much for your time. It's been an, uh, such a pleasure talking about marketing and social media and golf with you. Um, yeah, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, so much fun. Um, she's a transformational marketer and, and you can find Kathy McConnell on LinkedIn and, and, and you, you, you said you have the website, you have the YouTube channel and, and I think you and I have a lot in common and I'm so glad to have gotten to know you better today. Thanks so much, Kathy. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure. Hey, folks, this has been Bob Cargill, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. And today I've been talking to Kathy McConnell. I thank her. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation. I sure did. And I wish you well. I'm thinking of you all during these tough times, difficult days. And I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.